when you're after the third round and you have to get up for the fourth round and the fifth round and you're sitting on the stool, I mean, that's you that you have to fight to stand up. No one, no one else. That's, and you have to, to find whatever you need to find to, to dig deep to, to get your ass up and go out there and fight one more round and, and outpace the other guy. And the first person to break in this sport is the guy that's going to lose. Everyone's skills are very high. Everybody's conditioning is very high. Everybody's physical ability is very high, but it's mental, and it's mental against yourself. And you can't ever quit, and you can't ever give up on yourself. And that's a huge piece to this. And and once I learned that, I feel that I'm unstoppable, really. This podcast episode is brought to you by Biotropic Labs. We are innovators and leaders in competitive edge sports supplements. Enjoy this special podcast episode and help us spread the word. Have fun. Let's jump in here. I'm talking with Dennis, Dennis Dombro. Um, in my book, MMA Artist um, Extraordinaire, we're going to catch up with him a little bit, find out what's going on with him in his training and his uh, past fights and upcoming fights. So, Dennis, want to say hi. How you doing? Hi. I'm doing well. Uh, happy to be here. All right. Yeah, well, we're, we're thrilled to have you, too, and I know the audience is going to love hearing about who you are and what you do. So let's just get right into it here. I want to ask you a couple of questions about who you are. If I was to describe you to someone, I would describe it based on what you told me. So you tell me what I would say. Tell me who Dennis Dombro is. <laughs> um, Dennis Dombro is, uh, is a hardworking, motivated uh, MMA fighter and, you know, not going to stop until I reach my goals, which is to be at the top of the sport. Where did it all begin? Where did you grow up, and what were your influences growing up in sports? Well, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, in a little town called Bartlett. I never was much into team sports growing up. I was uh, into martial arts, and I really got into BMX biking when I was younger and did that through most of my teen years. And then had a pretty serious accident with my BMX, and then after that, decided to start pursuing jiu-jitsu and MMA more seriously. So not a lot of people would make the transition from riding. <laughs> to, I mean, it's really fascinating because I found that out about you. I didn't know that. Uh, I think it's really, really interesting that you'd make the transition from, from riding a bike, tough as that stuff is, because we know people who do it, uh, good friends of yours, um, to MMA, which is considered in their, you know, w- w- you know, putting your life on the line every time you go into the ring. What, what well, I made- think BMXing to me is is ten times more dangerous than fighting is. Um, tell us what. Tell and, us why that is. Why is that? Well, just the, you know, fighting and training. Um, there's a lot. You get banged up and there's some injuries, but with BMX and in those type of sports, you're going really fast. You have a heavy bike. You're falling from really high in the air, and when you go down, you go down hard. And you're landing on concrete, and concrete's very unforgiving. And um, I just think that the generally the injuries you see in, in BMX riding are, you know, much more uh, dangerous than, than than what you see in MMA. Would you say the potential for um, injury in MMA outweighs the potential for injury in BMX? Uh, if you were to look at it just at the top of the scale, like what could happen? To you in MMA? I guess the ultimate thing is going to be death, and you could die in BMX. You could die in uh, MMA. Um, you know, any anywhere you're risking smashing your head, you know, there's going to be that chance of some serious injury. So, I mean, they're both very high-risk sports. I think MMA is more controlled, but, uh, I, I mean, it's, they're both pretty dangerous, I guess you could say. Yeah, most people wouldn't think of – I agree with what you're saying about BMX. I know they're getting up there really high in the air. They're taking hard falls. Um, but I think uh, without giving it too much thought, most people would just default to the idea that MMA is tougher because you see these big, tough guys like you go into the ring and, and uh, you know, beat the crowd. Yeah, just wallop the shit out of each other, and that's you know that's what it looks like when when the BMX stuff gets going here. You know they're going up and down um, on a ramp or they're going around an obstacle course, and for the most part, it I know it's very challenging. I know it's very hard, but you don't think necessarily as you're watching them do it that is a threat with every with every full revolution of a pedal. Whereas in a ring, you think there's a threat even when a punch isn't being thrown. Yeah, I mean, I guess just to the to the average viewer, 
it, it would appear that MMA is more dangerous. I just, my, my opinion from doing both, um, it just seems like when things go wrong on your bike, it, it's, it seems to be worse. You're going much faster. You're going much higher. Um, I mean, the concrete does not move. You hit that concrete hard. You're, you're in a lot of trouble. So, um, it's just, it, it seems like the, the injuries you see in BMX are on a whole much worse injuries. They're maybe not as common as in, in fighting, but when they happen, they're, they're usually much more severe. I gotcha. You were, um, recently in a fight not too long ago. Oh, I, maybe three or so months ago. You can give me the exact, uh, timeline on this, but I'm going to walk you through a couple fights. Um, the one I'm thinking about right now, um, wore you out. It was, you won that fight, but it was a tough fight and, uh, you fought in, um, the Chicago area, I think just out, outside Chicago and it, it really wore you out despite the fact you won. And you came down, uh, Texas way to recuperate a little bit. What happened in that fight? What, what happened there? It was a, uh, it was a title fight. So that it's a five round fight, five, five minute rounds. Um, and, and a majority of my career in my, the 18 or 19 fights I've had now, the, I usually end them pretty quickly. They don't drag on too long. Um, that was my first five round fight. And the kid that I was fighting was extremely tough and in extremely good shape. He was a division one wrestler and, um, it was just a, a very high paced fight. And we went almost, I choked him out with, uh, 10 or 15 seconds left in the fourth round. So we pretty much, almost just fought for 20 minutes straight and i've just I've, I've never experienced anything like that it was uh you know you really have to dig deep to to keep pushing and 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 go through a fight like that where normally i'm in and out of there in five minutes three minutes um and uh it's just it's a, it was a different style of fight than i'm used to I, I, going going long and hard like that was that the first time that you were in a fight that uh, that really tested your endurance, uh, both your physical and, and mental and mental endurance? Uh, no, a, a lot of my fights have. I had a uh, my second professional fight. I actually fought in, in Cedar Park, Texas, it, in Strike Force. It was a, a, a very big fight, and that that fight probably in that fight was only seven and a half minutes. I actually lost that fight, but that fight pushed me harder than any anything I've ever experienced. That was the the craziest fight I've ever had. And it sucks. I've never even seen it. I've done everything I can to try to find footage of that fight. It was it was pretty wild. Me and that kid just threw down for seven and a half minutes and uh yeah, there's pictures of it on the internet but I've not been able to to get a video of it. So if anyone can find a video of it out there, uh there'll be some sort of reward for it. I don't know what the reward is yet, but <laughs> it was a Showtime fight. I believe it was the, the second to, to last strike force, the last strike force before Zufa bought strike force. But we were the, we were, the, there was two prelim fights. We were, and then we were the very first fight of the night. So the main card was on TV and you can still view the main card. You can go get it on fight pass or uh, on the internet somewhere. But the first two prelim fights, I cannot find anywhere. And, um, I mean, I've sent emails to Zufa. I've sent emails to Strikeforce. I've I've tried to do everything, and I just I still can't seem to find the video. And something I would like to see sometime in my life. Believe me, it's very entertaining. Me and this kid just threw punches and knees and elbows for seven and a half minutes, and uh, I still feel the effects from it. That was five and a half years ago. Wow! 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 Well, we're coming back to uh, the more current fight where where you wore down a bit, had to take a break. Um, you took about what, about a month rest and then went back to training. Is that about right? Um, yeah, I mean, I was still, my, my hand was a little banged up after that, so I couldn't do any hard training. I was definitely still doing some cardio and, and running and, and trying to stay in a little bit of shape, but it, I, I definitely didn't jump back into full training for another a month or a month and a half. And that was a long camp for that fight. That was, that was 13 weeks, um, just cause of previously had a fight before that that got canceled short so we just had to i just kept the training camp going right into the next one so i needed a little bit of time off i was burnt out 
Right, right. I totally understand that. So, um, as I remember it, yeah, you had a pretty good rest. Had to had to rest both physically and mentally for the next fight. But then you were ready to rock and roll and started training really hard for the next fight. And that was with who? And tell us what happened. Well, I was um, then. I got uh, offered to fight Miguel Torres, and that was supposed to be September twenty fourth, I believe, and about. Four weeks before that fight, I fractured my right hand. It wasn't a serious fracture. It was just a, a small hairline fracture, but it was bad enough to where I had to uh, withdraw from the fight. I, I couldn't train or punch or do anything like I needed to be doing for that fight. I still was uh, staying in shape and doing my cardio, and I had to wait for my hand to heal, and uh, it's feeling good. And then I just got an offer to defend my belt November 5th at the Horseshoe and Hammond, so it's just one fight after the next, um, and it's just it's got, you always got to stay ready because you never know when the opportunities are going to arise. All right, so let's talk about the next fight. You just said you had an opportunity. Who, who, once again, who are you fighting and where? where is it and how can we so, watch it? Yeah, tell us all about it. Well, okay, November 5th at the Horseshoe Casino in Hammond wow. and the co-main event against Team Curran's Corey Galloway. Um, it's going to be a great fight. There will be a live stream of it, I believe, at gfl.tv. Um, if you're in the Chicagoland area, I suggest coming out. The, the Horseshoe is a great venue. It's going to be a great night of fights. Um, me and my other teammates, I think there's four or five of us fighting on the card. My other teammate, Mike Santiago, he's in the main event. He's fighting for the featherweight title. And so it's going to be an awesome fight. Go to HoosierFightClub.com, and you can definitely uh, get tickets to, to come out on the 5th and watch. It's going to be another five-round fight. This kid, uh, he's tough. He's I've seen him in some wars, too, and he's not going to hold back. He's going to come at me and, and and try to take this belt away, but this is this fight's too important. I, I will win this fight. I will remain the champion, um, and it's time to show the world what I've been training for the last 12 years, you know? Well, I love the confidence. I, I love the attitude. I, I really appreciate how you sound, and you sound like you're really ready for it. Tell us a couple things here. What is the belt that you currently have right now, and and uh, walk us through what you're defending? It's the, the Hoosier Fight Club Bantamweight Championship. Um, it is a, uh, for, the, for the area, it's one of the, the bigger titles to have. It's very important because the um, UFC now is – going around to all the regional promotions and they're pulling their champions into the UFC. So to, to make my dream, you know, a reality of what I've been training my whole life for, I have to, I have to defend this belt. I have to keep this thing. I got to train my ass off and uh, make sure that I'm victorious on the fifth. Um, there's so much more on the line than, than just a, a belt that you wear. It's, it's everything I've, I've put my life into. And, uh, this, there's not a doubt in my mind that it's, I'm going to walk out of there as the champion. So, so that's interesting what you're saying. I, I believe you're going to be the champion too. We're friends. We've known each other a little while now, and of course, I'm in your corner, and I may be somewhat biased, but I've also seen you fight on uh, on video here. Haven't yet had a chance to see you live. We were gonna we were gonna come to the one where uh, where your where your hand got broken, if I remember correctly. So that one, yeah, that would have been a good one. But maybe you guys can make it up for the this one on the fifth. It'll be awesome. yeah. We're gonna make we're gonna make it for the fifth. But uh, so let's just take a minute here. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a very important fight for you. Um, you said there's more to it that leads to a lot of things. Just take us further down that road. What potential doors does it open for you, and what do you get to walk through? Well, just, it, it, it opens ends up more opportunities, more name recognition. Um, this the Hoosier Fight Club, this promotion that I'm the champion of, is getting bigger and bigger. It's um, it's a it's a prestigious title to have. It signifies all the hard work and everything that I've I've put into this, and it opens up. The, the possibilities are endless, but the, the thing what I have to do is win. It doesn't matter if I don't win. Um, and so the it just it, it gets your name out there more. It gets people watching the fight. It gets interest. It, it makes other people want to come after you. So you have to you have to keep training harder and keep that level up because you know the younger, hungrier fighters are looking at you saying, "I want that belt." And you know it's this is my belt. You have to to come get it from me. And and I have to keep doing that as much as I can until I, I, I reach the level where I know I'm going to be, which is, 
fighting the best fighters in the world on the biggest stage in the world in the UFC. And none of that happens if I don't win. So more important than anything or is just, is just winning this fight. And that's all I think about. It's my motivation in the morning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 30 years old now. I've, I've been doing this for a long time and, and, and now's the time that this is all coming together. It, uh, it, it's just, this is, this is my time and it, I'm going to win. Again, I, I love where your head's at. It's in the right space. You sound committed and firm and like there's no backing up here at all. That, that's exactly how you're feeling, isn't it? No, I, absolutely. And, and all my confidence comes through my training and, I train with some of the best fighters in the world. I train with the best fighters from this area. And, you know, going toe-to-toe with those guys every day really just boosts your confidence. And and I know that this kid that I'm going to fight, he's fighting hard, too. He wants this belt. So that pushes me. It makes me have to train harder because any second that I'm not training, I know he's training to come take this from me. And I've, I've worked too hard. i put too much into this. I've sacrificed too much of my life to to not – not walk out of the cage victorious on the fifth like this i don't have a choice i have to win and so it just uh all my confidence comes through my training comes from my training partners when we're at the fight together and we're all in the back and watching each one of us go out to war and coming back with our hands raised it just you know we we, we build off that and uh this it's awesome last time when when i fought what i believe it was june 4th which is crazy i can't believe it was four or five months ago already, I was the only guy from my team fighting that night. So there wasn't as much energy in the back room. And, and it's still a it, – even though it's an individual sport and you're the only one in the cage, it, it, there's, it's the work of a team that gets you there. And But when you're in the back and you've got your whole team with you and everybody, you know, is you're feeding off that. You're feeling the energy. And uh, so I get to have this going into the cage with me on the 5th and – and, and knowing that we're all going to be there now, we're, there's going to be bringing two belts back to, to Team Top Notch here, um, and it's it's just uh, it's going to be an awesome night. I, I can't wait for that. And, and those are the types of things that I think about that motivate me every day. When I don't even want to get out of bed because I'm so sore from training that I really I don't have a choice. Like it's you know it's just that that's how it works. That's part of that motivation too is that fight family. Like you just described it really well. You you go out to a fight. It's like going out to war. And then you come back to the ring or to or to the workout facility where you do your thing at, and there's your fight family, the people, you know, who are the professional fighters, the amateur fighters, and then the other people who are just learning the business. But they're all part of your family, and they welcome you back. You know, they pat you on the back. They raise your hand, and it's, it's a very tight, very uh, very bonded group, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very special experience, and I, I try not to take it for granted because it, it's something that, that not everybody gets to experience. and. Uh, it's easily overlooked too, especially when you're training and you're tired and you're drained. But when you really take a step back and look at it, it's it's a it's a real special thing that in bond that you that that you guys all share when you're in there together. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Who do you see as your biggest challenge, and and what is your biggest biggest challenge? And uh, my my biggest challenge and my my biggest uh, opponent is is Dennis Dombro. You know, he's the guy that I have to look in the mirror every day and, you know, I have to fight him every day just to get get my ass up and, and get to the gym. He's the guy that, you know, I have, I have to fight. I'm not fighting my opponent in the cage. I'm fighting myself. And, and, uh, that's, that's definitely my, my biggest opposition. And that's been, um, my biggest Achilles heel for my whole career is, is always fighting myself. But, I'm definitely maturing as a fighter. I'm maturing as a person. Um, I've, I've learned all these things. I've had a lot of experiences that, that is putting this all into, uh, you know, it all makes sense to me now. And, and I realize that about myself. And, and now that I feel that once I realize that I'm my biggest challenge and I can overcome that, then nobody's going to stop me. When you're after the third round and you have to get up for the fourth round and the fifth round and you're sitting on the stool – I mean, that's you that you have to fight to stand up. No one, no one else. That, and you have to, to find whatever you need to find to, to dig deep to, to get your ass up and go out there and fight one more round and, and outpace the other guy. And the first person to break in the sport is the guy that's going to lose. Everyone's skills are very high. Everybody's conditioning is very high. Everybody's physical ability is very high. But 
it's mental when you and, and it's mental against yourself and you can't ever quit and you can't ever give up on yourself and that's a huge piece to this and and once I learn that, I feel that that I'm unstoppable, really. Do you ever have any experience when you're in the fight, um, in between rounds, you're sitting down on a chair, your trainers are doing their thing? Uh, you ever, do you ever privately think, man, I am exhausted. I, I am out of this. First, do you ask that question? And then the second part right, you know, attached to it is, you know what? That other guy's going through the same thing. I'm not giving up. I, I don't care. Or, you know, so just walk me that's through what, how that happens. Well, that's that's funny that you say that because that's exactly what what I tell myself is, and not even so much in the fight because the fight is so fast and that one minute period in between rounds is so fast you don't really time to think of that. But in the preparation for the fight, I know that that I'm a bad motherfucker and I know that that dude has just fought me for five, ten, fifteen minutes, whatever it is, and he's tired too. So however tired I am. I know he's just as tired or more tired than me, and that builds confidence. And when you start seeing that, and you this last fight, I didn't sit down on my stool once in between the rounds. I, I stood up, I put my arms up over the cage, I opened my lungs, I was breathing, I was talking to my corner. Not very many times have I been able to like have a conversation with my corner in between the rounds, and I would look across, and I would see my opponent slouched down, his hands on his knees, his head hanging. And I just know every round I'm building, he's getting more tired. He's getting more tired. And, and that confidence, it's, it's all in your head. It's, it's just, it's all in your head. No, I, I know what I go through in the gym is way harder than that fight. The fight's 25 minutes. I train for two, three hours at a time, twice a day, three times a day. Like it, and, and it just, that gives you confidence. So when you, you know, you just that little advantage of seeing his hands on his knees and his head hanging down, you're like, <clears throat> I'm fresh compared to this guy. This, I, you know, so that, that's definitely um, uh, a huge, a huge factor. When you're in the gym, you go a five-minute round. You're tired. The next guy that you get, he's fresh. He's not tired. He didn't just go five minutes. He rested that five minutes. But so if you're, if you can beat that guy in the gym who's who's trying to kick your ass, you're dead tired, and he's just coming after you. You know that 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 guy who you're fighting in the fight just did five minutes with you, and you know he's if he's not defeated, he's about to be, and and that's how you, you have to think and, and that's what, what builds my confidence and builds my stamina I guess like everybody, everybody faces fatigue I don't care who you are I don't care how good the condition you are everybody in that fight with the with the adrenaline the adrenaline dump you feel tired it's who's the better actor who's who can who can wear a better poker face I'm not tired I'm not tired and if if you're tired and you see the guy across from you looks fresh and he's bouncing around that makes you more tired you're like shit that guy's fresh. We just fought. <laughs> fucking exhausted. That, that weighs anymore. It's all mental. It's mental warfare. Now, you just said something really great, which is, I think, you know, I really picked up on and I really agree with. I haven't thought of that quite putting it that way before. And you said it's who's the better actor because you're both conditioned. You're both ready. Assuming all things are equal and everyone treated the fight respectfully. They trained for it. They rested right. They ate right. They tapered right. If you do any of that, and then they get in the ring. Assuming that all things are equal, it comes down to what's in each other's head and who's the better actor. Because you're going to be exhausted. That person starts bouncing up and down to throw you off. He's every bit as tired, maybe more tired than you, but he's got to throw some psychological warfare at you. So he gets up, he starts jumping up and down, looks at you square in the eyes, and says, "What's taking you so long? Get up! I'm ready to fight. You're taking too long." So. That's really what you're talking about, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that beats you up. It's like if, if you hit a guy with your hardest punch and he just shakes it off and looks at you, you're like, holy shit, what do I have to hit this guy with? But it, he he might feel it. Like when you get hit by a punch, you're gonna that punch is going to hurt, but you can't act like it phases you at all. You just have to look right at him and say, is that all you got? But if you hit a guy <laughs> and he, show, he shows that he's hurt from it and you can see a reaction from that punch, you know – that you have him, you know that he's already he's already being defeated. He's already mentally defeating, quitting already. He doesn't he might not even realize he's quitting, but you have to look at those those little subtle tells, and and, and then that's how you can you, you you then you smell blood and you go for it. But when the guy hits you, you just shake it off and you look at him right in his eyes and you say, okay, let's go, motherfucker, like let's fight. You have to you have to bring all your physicality to the game in every fight. But the overriding factor, what I'm what I'm hearing from you, the overriding factor is the psychological warfare. Is that is that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. and that's why the, the the 
the, the, the champions, the best fighters in the world are, are so mentally tough and they never break and they never quit and they're so mentally disciplined and, uh, it's, you just see that that, that's what it takes. The, the technical skills and the, the physical skills are a huge part of it, but everybody has that. It's who has, who has the brains for it and who has the mind for it. And that, those are the guys that are the champions. So let me give you another scenario. How, how many times, if ever, have you, got, have you gone into the ring knowing you did everything right? You treated your body right. You did, you did absolutely everything you were supposed to do. And you get into the first round, the first 30 seconds of the first round or, or the first minute of the first round of a five-round fight. You say to yourself, Jesus Christ, man, I feel like crap. I feel like I didn't even train. What, what's wrong here? I don't, I don't feel good. I feel like I'm out of shape. Have you ever had that experience? That that only happened to me one time, and that was I fought uh, in Ring of Combat in Atlantic City, and I cut 15 pounds in two days. And I think that that bad weight cut is, is what did it to me. Usually when I'm in that first round and I'm bouncing around, I, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm just getting warmed up. Like, I feel great, actually. I, I, my stamina feels great. I feel unbelievable. This is awesome. Um, but that fight, I felt good in the first round, and I actually won the first round. And then about halfway through the second round, we were wrestling, and I just – I've never felt a fatigue like that in my life. Like, I couldn't even – and then I ended up going, and I lost the decision that fight. And I just – I mean, I couldn't even move. And I, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, training in the altitude for eight weeks. Like, my – my physical conditioning was unbelievable. I was doing sprints in the mountains at 10,000 feet. Like I was physically, I was unbelievable, but I believe it was the, the, the weight cut that, that really screwed me up. And, um, that was my, only my second time making 135 pounds. So I don't think I had the, and the traveling and everything. I don't think I had the weight cut down like I do now. And that was a huge factor. And that's a, that's a big factor with a lot of these fighters is, I mean, you train for eight, 12 weeks to build up all this strength and this endurance and you're, you're feeling great and you're unbelievable. And then you have a, a poor weight cut and now you, your body's like, you're running on empty and you could be in the best shape in the world. You have the, the best engine in your car, but no gas in there and it, it's not going to drive. Like it doesn't matter. So in that situation, does any amount of psychological warfare make the difference? There's no question, none at all. That yeah, I believe, I believe. I believe it. You know, it, it, there's a point where it still becomes mental. Where, uh, you know, I, I was feeling that fatigue, and instead of giving into it, saying like, "Holy shit, I'm tired," saying, "Fuck that, I'm not tired. I don't care. I I only have another round and a half. I feel great." Um, but it just it's it's it, where do you just to, to dig that deep in the fight when you're feeling those types of fatigue? That I mean, that's that's mental toughness right there, not giving into it. Um, I mean, it definitely is physical. You. You really are feeling that fatigue, but it's it's the that that lapse in your your mentality that gives it. You either give in or you don't. And once you give into it, you give in. If you push through that and you go through that wall, then uh, then you're usually good. I've had it where I've, I it's that adrenaline dump. You're, you're going, you feel good, then you feel really tired, and you say fuck it, and you push through it. And the next thing you know, you're you're feeling you, you went four rounds. This last fight. Uh, I had a pretty big adrenaline dump. I was like, we were exchanging punches in the first 30 seconds. And I was thinking like, wow, I'm a little bit tired. And then I said, fuck it and kept fighting. Next thing I know, it's two, 10 seconds left in the fourth round. And I choked him out. Like it, it, it's, it's all in your head. And and once, once I, I, I learned that, that fight that I had in the city was really early in my career. So once, once I learned that, I, I, I haven't experienced anything like that again. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't plan on that either. I, 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 you know, you learn through these experiences. So walk me through how you win that fight, though. How do how do you win a fight when you have that experience? Let's you know, weight weight cut problems, uh, oxygen yeah. debt issues. Uh, how do you beat? How do you win that fight when you are clearly at a physical disadvantage? Even if you have a mental advantage, let's say you know the other fighter really well and you know how they think and you know how to get into their head, but they're in physical top shape. They're not having any of these issues, but you're having that physical issue. How do you win that fight? You you just bite down on your mouthpiece and you just keep fighting because it's either I mean even if you you do keep fighting and you could get hit with a punch on your chin and get knocked out but at least he's knocking you out you're not deciding okay I'm tired I quit and so many times you see fighters you know hit that that wall and it's that's a real wall I mean that's real fatigue they're feeling but 
the the ones that give into that and say, okay, I'm tired, you know, I quit, or the ones that say, no, I'm not tired. I I have the rest of my life to be tired. I have these five more minutes to give everything I have. I don't care. And uh, that's that's how you get through it. And and you get to that point in your training. You you put in your training, you get yourself to extreme fatigue to where you want to crawl off the mat and quit. And you say, no, I have five more minutes. And you keep you keep training. And uh, that's that's why why all my confidence is built in my training. I know that you know I do an hour straight of, of hard, hard training with the best fighters in the world, then what's 15 minutes? What's 25 minutes? And then in the fight, you feel a little tired. You're like, why? Just last week, I was training with the best fighter in the world. I don't, I don't care. This is nothing. And then you just you get over that, and you just move on. You focus on your breathing and your technique, and next thing you know, you're, it's the third, fourth, fifth round, and fight's over, and you don't give in to that fatigue. You really do train with some of the best fighters in the world, both male and female. And the ones that you don't train with, you know, you're some of them you're on a first-name basis with. It. Hey, how you doing? And they know who you are, and you may not be in the same ring with them. They may be somewhere else, but you all know each other. Who are some of those big names that you that you just uh, that you wait right, Well, right now um, I'm training with Ricardo Lamas. He's one of the best fighters in the world at 145 pounds. I think he's ranked third or fourth in the world. Um, he's He's a bad, bad dude. I, I train with Juliana Pena. She's ranked two or three in the world in the women's bantamweight division. Um, she's probably got a title shot coming up. Um, I train with Mike Chiesa. I train. I mean, there's a, the list goes on of of the fighters that I train with and and, and uh, go go to war with on a daily basis. That's very very interesting. You're really in an interesting fight club here. What's been your most difficult fight today? We talked about a couple, but identify the most difficult fight for whatever the reason was, physical, mental, uh, getting there, whatever the problem was, and uh, tell us about it. The, my most difficult fight? Yeah, the most difficult I'd fight. Say the, my, my second professional fight with um, Drew Pendleton in, at Strikeforce in Cedar Park, Texas. Have you saw that video and just like compared it to any other fight that I've had, like just, and there was, there was no technique in that fight. That that was a very winnable fight for me, but I just like, I didn't have the experience that I did now. So I just went out there and just threw all my training out the door and I just bit down on my mouthpiece and just started, we were just throwing haymakers and kicks and knees and elbows and the first one to fall fell. So it's true old school. It was just uh, wasn't even. You just went out there and, and fought toe to toe with whatever yeah, with, just, with whatever. It you was had. crazy. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. Uh, it was wild, and and I still. I mean, I still can't go back and change anything, but I still think myself like, what if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? Um, and that was a awesome experience. Definitely my toughest fight. I, I still. I mean, I still think about it all the time. You know, but that's what learning is all about. You you pull from every single experience you've had, and uh, you take it to the next one. And I can tell you, as being a guy a little bit older than you, I always say to my friends, "Why do Why do I always have to keep on learning? When When does the learning end?" And the reality is, it doesn't end. Even when you're an expert at something, is you, you may you may go a while, you know, not stumbling and falling, and then all of a sudden, you know, you the expert in your field, you know, so, someone teaches you something new, and sometimes, sometimes it's uh, to the ribs where they cheat you, and sometimes it's to the chin, and sometimes it's a dislocated shoulder or something else, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely things that only life experiences can teach you. You can uh, read them in a book or you can hear about them all you want, but until you actually go experience it firsthand, you'll you'll never know. And you got to keep doing it. You just got to keep doing it because your competition, whether it's business or fighting, they keep doing it. So uh, the only way to stay on top of anything is just keep fighting, keep doing it, keep working out, keep doing it till you get to the top. Like you said at the beginning of this conversation is your ultimate goal. We'll get to that again in a second here. Now, uh, so that was your most difficult fight. What was your most disappointing fight? Um, I've, geez, I've had, a, I've had a couple of those. I, uh, I mean, at any fight I, I've lost, they're all disappointing because like I said earlier, they're all battles with myself. It's all, judgments that that I, I'm and, and deals that I'm making with myself in that cage that are, are resulting in in me losing I've never been out there and just completely got my ass kicked and thought to myself like you know that that guy was better than me he whooped my ass so I was like no I fucked up and maybe who knows maybe that's just me justifying in my head why I lost and 
I'm sure, I mean, there's so many fighters out there who, who beat themselves constantly. So, I mean, uh, all my losses are disappointing. I don't think one is more disappointing than the other. Um, there's no one fight that just got away from you where, where you could clearly see, you know, son of a gun. I, this fight got away from me because I, I was distracted. I looked left for one second. I had this guy beat, but I, I got distracted for a second and I took a hit and I went down or, or, or that's every, this. that's every fight I've ever lost. <laughs> that's good. You're saying really you should be winning every fight that you, that you get into the ring, that no loss is acceptable and that all, all of them are as disappointing as the last loss and you, you don't give yourself any breaks for losing. No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, and hats off to all my opponents for winning those fights. They, they fought great fights, but I mean, there's, so many fights where I'm like seconds away for I have five professional losses and I think and most of them I mean I was seconds away from from winning I should have could have won a would have fight won the fight uh and then just lost it um you can go back and watch all the fights I've lost and they were all there were all points in those fights where I should have won I could have won I I had the those fights won and then I make one bad judgment call and and that's the whole fight so I mean is there any way to is there any way to just uh you know to stop that if if you're here's what you're saying that each of those fights were fights that you should have could have and in other words none of those losses are you saying you know what on that day not not that I couldn't have beaten this guy some other day but on that day that guy was not a better opponent than me. Every single one of your losses is what I'm hearing you say is that you should have won, and on on, on those given days, no one should have beaten you. But but they did they did beat you. They did take you down. So if that's the case, let's assume that is the case because you believe it. So it is the case. The next fight's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same exact thing that that this guy should not beat you. He cannot beat you, and only you can beat yourself. Is there anything that you can do based on those? losses you said you took to prevent that from happening in the next fight absolutely some of them like the one i had in the next city where i gassed out i could have had a better weight cut i could have con- conserved my energy differently in those fights instead of a majority of what happens is i i i go out and i i just i just blow my load in the first first few minutes trying to finish the fight and and that's why i took my time and was so patient in my last fight because i had five rounds where all my fights, I win in the first round. And if I was to get out of the first round, if if I was to watch myself, like if I was fighting me, I'd say, okay, get him out of the first round, and he's going to be tired, and and that's how I'm going to get him. That's not me anymore, I because I, I I have a lot more experience now, and it was never my conditioning, but I would just put so much into those finishes. Like I had guys in full triangle chokes or full full submissions, full arm bars, to where like the round ended and they were in it, I'd get up and my legs would be really tired. Now I'm flat footed and now I'm taking off the game plan and now I'm a little winded or now, uh, like that, that doesn't happen anymore. I'm much more, um, I like being in there. I enjoy, I enjoy being in there and, and fighting now. It's, uh, it's not, uh, when I was younger, my career was such a rush to get in there and I had to finish right away. I don't feel that anymore. I want, I want to let the fight play out. I want to let the fight come to me and, 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 uh, and, and and see how it unfolds. So that that's pretty much the, the difference is just don't put everything I have into the to the one finish. The the one fight I had. Uh, well, then I fought in the next city again. I fought this Sambo champion. This kid was really tough. He was unbelievable. Um, I had him in a full triangle and a full armbar. He would not quit. His face was purple. His arm was bent upside down. This was at the end of the second round. And then the second round ended. He. The, well, we were in the triangle choke, and then he got up, and I was like, oh, shit, that was everything I had trying to finish that submission. And uh, now what I learned from that is maybe not put everything into finishing that submission if I don't know that I for sure have it and move on to the next one and move on to the next one and just, just go with the flow of the fight, not so much mental stress on myself like I have to finish now or, you know, I'm done for. So I've definitely grown as a fighter. I've uh, matured as a person and a fighter. and, and um, I'm ready to go out 25 minutes. I want to go go in there and, and, and fight and, and see how it happens. And I don't put so much pressure on myself and having to finish right away. And that that, that I think is a, a huge factor with 
with overcoming past performances of mine, which I, fights that I've lost that I shouldn't have lost. So walk us through, um, what's the average? Is it always a five-round fight, or is it sometimes no, a only, fight? Only when I, I'm fighting for the championship. Championship fights are five rounds. Normally okay. the fight uh, three okay. five-minute rounds. All right, so two questions. First question is, what is your three-round fight strategy? How do you uh, – uh, well, one, one other question before I get to that. Do you, do you have a tapering period as you go into a fight, or do you train right up to the fight and – you know, and then go into the ring, uh, well, I, or is I there mean, a tapering I, period? I, I, well, I taper up, like, is eight, like, with my conditioning and my rounds, as the fight gets closer, I, I increase the amount of rounds that I do and the length that I do them, so, like, I'm trying to, to peak and, and be at my top physical performance, you know, when the fight comes, I definitely... So it's not really uh, a taper, it's not really a taper like I a runner or a swimmer up, would like, go through, I, you actually, you actually build up more. Yeah, I try to peak and, and, and try to be at my, at my absolute top come fight night like uh i don't i don't i still do my conditioning and my cardio but what like up until the last week of the fight i, I cut out my sparring because i don't want to risk injury and it, cutting weight is is more important at that point but you know i'm still going through the motions i'm still game planning i'm still uh uh you know do, like doing simulation stuff like that but i i don't do any of the hard training the week of the fight just to really avoid injury you don't want to get injured okay walk me through walk me through a three-round fight strategy it has to to do with who you're fighting because styles make fights a three-round fight and you're fighting a guy that you know wants to hold you against the cage and take you down and grind you out you're gonna have to move and make a miss and then make him pay um if you're fighting a guy that that's very aggressive um, you kind of want to sit back and let him burn himself out. I mean, it, it all depends on on who you're fighting. I, I think is is more more important than the than the number of rounds. To be honest, I got you. So you don't you don't well okay well that's true. I mean that makes a lot of sense. But whether the guy is super aggressive or let's say the other side of that not so aggressive, you still have three rounds to fight. You, you're going to be measuring your pace more with a super aggressive guy and maybe not measuring it as much with a less aggressive person. But in both cases, you've got to get yourself through three rounds of fighting. You've got to manage that. Um, do you just sort of figure that out when you're in the ring or do you know what you're going to do before you get in the ring? Well, I'll tell you, every in all my 18 fights or 19 fights, whatever it is now, uh, I always have an idea of what I'm going to do and then once we start fighting, none of that ever happens. It just turns into a fight. <laughs> I mean, there's I see. there's little things that, that you can do and and expect and and like things that if you watch enough tape on the other guy, you can see like, okay, he's gonna do this or that, and kind of maybe anticipate those things. But for the most part, once you're fighting, you're fighting, and and whatever training you've done the last eight weeks is gonna take over. There's no secret. With me, um, I'm going to try to, to beat you up, take you down, and submit you. Like, that's that's what I want to do. Now, how I'm going to go about getting you on the ground and submitting you is going to, you know, depend on, on what style of fighter you are. And, uh, but that that's, my ultimate goal is take down and submit. Like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And there's no secret to that, and I, I don't <clears throat> care if people know that because, if, if they know it's hap- going to happen and they still can't stop it, well, you know, shame on them. Well, that's interesting. So uh, you, what I'm taking then from you is that you just have to train like a like a freaking madman. You you know what that means, and you understand your sport upside down, inside out, and backwards. So you know what that means. You know what you have to do, and then you take that training into the ring, and you flex and flux. Uh, depending on what what the other guy is bringing to you for three or five rounds. So you don't really go in with a – you may have some preconceived idea of how you're going to fight someone if you've fought them a few times. But by and large, I think what you're telling me, what I'm hearing, is that you just take your training into the ring and you rely on that to get you through those three wrongs, rounds. And sometimes you're amped up and, and screwing away like a madman, and sometimes you're backing up. Uh, but, but either way, it's an, almost an improv, improvisation. Is Would that be accurate? Yeah, absolutely, and it, 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 you, you should be well trained enough to 
to know what you're going to do. You got to go out there and feel your opponent out. And, and what I'm doing, I don't have time to think about it in there. It's all reactions on, on what he's doing. If I, if I catch tendencies on, on what he's doing, I'm making calculations in my head at that time to, to figure out ultimately how am I going to get him on the floor and submit him. And, you know, I'm not just going to go bum rush the guy and try to wrestle him like crazy because that's how you get tired. But I'm, I'm definitely just making little, adjustments and, and notices on, on how he's fighting and what he's doing so I can implement my game plan. But, you know, sometimes my game plan might not be take down Smith. Maybe my game plan is to strike. Maybe I know the guy wants to fight on the ground. But and so it's, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to keep this fight on the feet? What do I have to do to, to not keep my back on the fence and how I got to move more? And But the, it's, all that's done in the gym in, in your training, you know, months ahead of time in uh, – you just have to make just slight adjustments. I don't really care what he's going to do. You 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 know what you're going to do, and, and you have to go out there and make him fight your fight. If you're going out there and you're fighting his fight, well, you're already fighting from behind. Okay, but that makes me think of something. All right, so you don't really care what he's going to do. You're fighting his fight if you do. You go out there to fight your fight and make him adjust to you, hopefully. But with that backdrop, isn't that exactly how Holly Holm beat Ronda Rousey? Because she knew exactly what her MO was. And uh, no, everyone else was fighting Ronda toe-to-toe and figuring they could take her down uh, fighting their fight and not thinking about Ronda. But that was a mistake for everyone except Holly Holm, who said, listen, I know exactly how Ronda comes in. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to avoid all of her standard uh, everyday moves, in particular the takedown, and I'm going to adjust I'm gonna I'm gonna play chess with the way she, she does stuff. She pick, made pick my moments and pick her apart. Yeah, Holly Holm made Ronda Rousey fight Holly Holm's fight. Holly Holm is a, a fantastic counterfighter, and Ronda Rousey is extremely aggressive. And she was just running right into Holly's left hand, and she would just get and and Holly just had to be patient. And uh, she, I mean, she's a counterfighter, so that was her her style of fight. And it, that. Ronda just, from what I saw, just kind of threw everything out the window and just went forward and played right into to Holly Holmes' style of fight. Okay, so you're saying, um, I, I get it. Okay, I didn't think of it quite that way. You're saying that Holly came into the ring less adjusting to uh, Ronda than um, than making Ronda fight Holly's fight. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying that, that Holly just sat back and, and let Ronda Rousey run right into her punches. She's a counterfighter and she, she just had an answer for everything. Now, if, if Holly would have ran forward and tried to get all crazy and, and be super hyper aggressive, that would have been playing into Ronda's game. And that's what all the other girls did before that is they would run at Ronda Rousey. She's a great judo fighter. She's a great grappler. She'd grab him. She'd throw him to the floor and submit him. Holly didn't want to have any part of that and just sat back and, Stayed on the outside and, and let Ronda come in overly aggressive and miss and eat a, eat a straight left hand and then eventually set up the high kick and that was that. It was a, I mean, it was a perfect fight for Holly Holm. That was an amazing fight. It was shocking. Um, you, I mean, shocking to me because I think after the, I think within about a minute of the first round and certainly after the first round, the first thing I was thinking is Ronda's out of shape. And so let me just ask you that before we move on, because we're not really here to talk about that. And, and that sort of ties into the question I asked you earlier, you know, coming into the ring, having trained properly, but feeling like you're out of shape and out of condition. Do you think that she was, that she prepared for that fight? Or do you think she was out of shape for that fight? She never experienced that before. She, she never experienced losing a round before. So she was, and she never had been hit like that before. So, I mean, that's another piece too with the fight game is you can be in the best shape in the world and you get hit. I mean, that's going to take your stamina down. That's going to take confidence down. And for someone who's won everything to to be like, oh, shit, I just lost. I, I kind of just got my ass whooped. That's going to, you know, that's that's going to wear her down. I, like, I, she was in great shape going into that fight. I don't think it was her being black prepared. I think it was her just kind of, like, never experiencing that before and just kind of being like a deer in headlights. Got it. Got it. I understand. All right. So moving back up to your to your fighting here, the other question that I wanted to ask you was, what was your most invigorating win? Was it the same Texas fight? Because I know that that was uh, a well, great I lost challenge. That fight. I, I lost that fight. And uh, okay, sorry for missing that. My most invigorating win, well, would either be my last fight when I won the belt, just because the 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 
championship, um, winning a title like that and going four rounds was a huge thing. Or um, actually, I, I fought this kid named Danny Aguirre at, uh, December 13th of 2013. We were the co-main event, um, and there was a lot riding on that fight that I don't even want to get into at the moment, but that uh, I was a huge underdog. There, for whatever reason, no one even gave me a chance to win that fight. I never – there wasn't a doubt in my mind I was going to win, but, I mean, anything you read online was like, Dombro's going to lose, Dombro doesn't have a chance, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there was – not between me and the kid, because I actually like Danny Gary. He's a great guy. We get along. We've trained together since then. But with some deeper shit than that, uh, to win that fight in the way that I won it, and and that was that was one of the highlights for wins for me, just because there was so much riding on that fight. All right. So uh, describe a typical day, a very you know a very typical day training in the life of a guy like you, a professional MMA fighter. What does it look like from morning to evening, and then into the next day again? Um, well, it's all about train, rest, eat, and repeating those things. Um, every day I either get two or three workouts in. Um, they don't have to be three crazy balls to the wall workouts, but definitely uh, whatever. I have plans for that day, whether it's grappling or jujitsu or striking or, or kind of MMA mixing the whole thing together, mixed with either a, a, a cardio workout or um, some strength and conditioning, and then uh, go back to the gym at night. Usually nights are when I get my heart training in and, and my fight simulation training in, and then in between the sessions, I'm trying to eat and nap and, and recover for the next one, and uh, that's pretty much it every day. Monday through Monday. Monday. Monday through Monday. And so uh, a lot of people don't understand that rest is a huge part of training. Explain why. I think rest is important, especially as I get older. Um, I mean, you train so hard and you, you uh, put so much into it. You gotta, your body's got to recover. Otherwise, you're more susceptible to getting injured. Um, if you Also, like if, if you're dragging ass and you're not recovered properly, you're not getting the most out of your workout that you can. I, you know, and you're, you're going into your practice already lethargic and lazy and, and not your sharpest. And, um, you know, it's, I, I'd rather give my best in my workout and get, get everything out of it than go in there and, and, and just, uh, feel lazy and, and lethargic because you're just not, not getting the most out of it. And that's why you got to rest. And that's why I try to train seven days a week. I, so in the middle of the week, if I do need to take a workout off or if I do need to, do a yoga class or something to recover instead of go training, I can do that and not feel like I'm missing too much. Whereas earlier in my career, I would train, you know, Monday through Friday and take the weekend off. But by Friday, I'm not getting anything out of my workouts because I'm so tired and beat up. Where now if I, you know, I, I train, I have three workouts, I take a workout off. I have three workouts, I take a workout off. I feel that I'm just getting much more out of of my training than I was before. And a lot of people don't understand that your muscles grow. They actually take the time uh, during that rest period to grow, recuperate, and get bigger and stronger without going through the science of that. The science is very interesting, but we're not going to do that today. But that's another reason why rest is so critical. People think they need to be in the gym all the time to blow up, get strong, uh, build up that endurance. And there's no question you've got to do extraordinary work to compete at a high level like you do. But it's the rest that allows you to get to the next level, uh, that rest that you get in between workouts or sometimes when you take a day off. It's that rest that's really critical to, to allow you to uh, train harder the next time around, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Um, no. It's Rest is very important, and uh, I think it's just as important to, to, to rest and listen to your body as it is to train hard. I mean, you got to understand when – you're just being lazy or, or when you got to listen to your body and say, okay, I actually need to rest. But, um, I, uh, I've been doing this long enough to know how to listen to my body and, and know what I need to do to get the most out of my body. And everybody's different and everybody, you know, has their own formulas for success for them. But, you know, I've, I've found what, what works for me. And, and so far it, it seems to work well. 
Yeah, and we're talking about rest, by the way, during training, during the act of training, not the rest you take after a, a major event. You might take a two-week break or a one-week break or a month break, depending on when your next fight is. We're, we're talking about how critical rest is during the training process here. So, um, all right, well, great. Let's, let's move on here a second here. Got a, got a, you brought this up earlier on. I want to come back to it. You once said, I want to fight the best in the world, right? Absolutely. That's why I'm doing this. So you fought a lot of great people, um, and I think we know the answer to this. But um, I'm going to I'm going to push you a little bit here. Has that happened yet? Have Have you fought the best yet? Um, I've have I fought the best fighters in the world yet? No, I have not. Um, have I fought some really great fighters? Yes, I have. Have I fought some fighters who have fought the best guys in the world? I have. Um, but I'm still, and also the the best guys in the world change constantly i mean the guys who were the best three years ago aren't the best anymore and so um i'm uh constantly just 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 training and, and waiting for my opportunity to 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 fight the guys that are considered the best guys in the world at, at, at that time so i know you know we all know how you get there you got to train you got to win you got to train you got to win and it's really that simple but in case i'm missing something and if it's that simple, say so. But in case I'm missing something, let me ask you, what's the plan that I don't understand that gets you there if it's not train, well, win, sleep, the, train, win, sleep? I mean, obviously the most important thing is is, is winning and, and getting yourself out there because, I'm, I mean, you, you have to win. But it's with the way the sport's becoming now, it's, it's an entertainment business. You have to put yourself out there. You have to You have to be something that people want to see. Now, obviously – you have to win. No one wants to see you if you've been losing, but I mean, you have to do, do other things outside the ring to get your name out there. And, and to be honest, I'm not the best at that. I'm, I'm pretty soft spoken and, and, and quiet. And I don't really put myself out there on the level like Conor McGregor and, and, and people like that do. And I think with, with the way the sport's going now and to get paid, like you need to get paid. Those are things that you have to do. I, I mean, I always came up is with like a, a martial artist mindset of just, just training and, and having the best technique in fighting because, I mean, me personally, I'd rather just go fight in a, a basement somewhere with no audience and just let's see who's a better fighter, you or me. But that's that's not the way it is anymore. It's the entertainment business. you got to put butts in the seats. And, uh, I mean, there's a reason why someone like CM Punk, who has no MMA experience in 40-something years old, gets paid a half a million dollars and gets put on a UFC pay-per-view his first ever fight. Um, it's because he puts butts in the seats and he gets eyes on the sport. So other than winning, you got to have an angle or have some sort of thing that, that gets regular everyday people to be like, I want to tune in and watch this guy fight. And, and that's how you get there. And if you have, I mean, if you're a star in one thing and you can transfer to MMA, you're going to be much, have a much better chance to get on a bigger stage faster than someone who doesn't. So some part of uh, some part of what you're saying, um, not not just going out there and winning, and uh, some, is some part of it going back to a statement you said, you know, in the ring it's who's the better actor that wins. Is there some part of the entertainment factor that you have to add to what you're doing to to get to the top, or is it pure fighting? No, I mean it's. I, I'd say first and foremost it's fighting, but I mean to to get to the top or to get people to watch you, you gotta do something different i mean there's there's so many fighters out there now and there's so many people so you can't just fight. go out fight and win you just can't line up fights i mean you, if you were and win. if you were like 30 and 0 and you had 30 finishes and you defeated like four former world champions and you didn't say a word i'm sure you could get some attention but i mean there's like i said a guy like cm punk and you know i think that's not cm punk's fault good for him for being able to get paid and go take an ass whooping to, to get paid a half a million dollars and never fight in his life. But in some ways, that's like a slap in the face to all the people like me and other fighters that have, have been training 12 years, 15 years, fighting their asses off every day, just waiting for the opportunity. And then some guy gets to come along and, and, and fight just because he has a lot of fans. And I just, like, I don't know. There is, there is that factor of it's an entertainment business. It's not a... It's not fighting anymore. It's entertainment. You have to be able to sell a fight. And so that's something that I need to work on. I'm not the best at that. I uh, put much more into my training and my fighting abilities and my talking abilities. But 
you know, it's, that's something that I, I think, you know, could help everybody. So does that require a team now? I mean, do you actually have to have a, a, a like a full-blown team to make that go down, or can you do that, can you do that alone? I mean, you could, if you knew what you were doing, you could do it alone, sure, but by and large, for the average person, though, is the average person going to do it alone, or do they really have to find a way to get a team together? I mean, if you, like, like you could do it alone. I guess, like, someone like Conor McGregor, I give him a lot of credit in a way because not only was he talking shit and, and getting people entertaining the fights, he was winning the fights, and he was doing everything he said he was going to do. He said he was going to do something, and he would go out and do it. And, I mean, there's a, a video of him in, like, 2008 or something talking about how he's going to be the UFC champion one day. He was 17 years old. He's like, I'm going to be UFC champion. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And sure enough, he did that. And then he got in the UFC, and he just didn't hold back. He got on Twitter. He got on social media, just talked shit, called people out. And then he did everything he said he was going to do. So, I mean, and he did that all himself, I believe. I don't think there was any team behind that. So, I mean, none of that would have happened if he, he would have talked a bunch of shit and lost. Like, if he talked a bunch of shit and went out there and lost his first fight, he, none of that would have happened. But he not only he was so confident being able to talk the talk, he went out there and, and he put his money where his mouth was. He he went out there and he whooped ass too. So I mean that the, it, you got to be able to to do both things. All right, got it. So what about fight fight influences? Who, who my fight who inspires? inspires? I mean, just yeah, who inspires? Uh, my teammates and and the people that I train with every day and 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 my coaches and and all the hard work that I see that we all put in firsthand every day. That. That inspires me, and and seeing that we all sweat and bleed together, and 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 that that's that's what influences me. And and you have to surround yourself with people with the same goals as you and the same desires because that's how you get to where you want to be. If everybody has the same goal, and so just being part of a team at LCCT with Luis Claudio and Tiago and everybody there, and and being a top notch with Lamas and Santi and PJ and all those guys, just day in and day out, just just training that's what inspires me is uh is is my teams what about style style wise there were, there were people back you know when i when i used to compete there were a couple of people whose style seriously majorly influenced the way i did what i did well when i was a kid uh he still is my all-time favorite fighter <clears throat> shogun hua he's like I, I love shogun i i think he he's an all-time great stuff that he's done in the ring is is unbelievable but before i mean i've been interested in mma and ufc long before i ever trained just from because my cousin and my my father they were all into it and so i was always around it just not competing actively but i watched it and so i would watch shogun and i would watch those shootbox guys and the way they fought and i think in some ways that style got me into a little bit of trouble early in my career because those guys now when you were in japan i i I'm not accusing anybody of doing drugs, but I don't think they drug tested. So you could probably take drugs and get away with being able to go balls to wall. The first round was 10 minutes. So you could just go crazy for 10 minutes. And that's what these guys would do. And I would watch it and I was like, holy shit. But I didn't have that same kind of cardio endurance that they have. So I would go out and I would just go crazy. And, and then end up, if I didn't finish the guy, I'd be really tired and, and lose the fight face. And I'm not, I mean, that's my own fault, but I would try to mimic that style earlier in my career. Now, as I'm older, I look at uh, guys like Damian Maya, who are who are really good at using their jujitsu to. I mean, he's the best jujitsu fighter in MMA, or one of the best, and he he shuts down the best fighters in the world with just pure jujitsu. And uh, there, guys like that, um, I actually really liked Kenny Florian back in the day. I thought he was very very smart, technical fighter, and in the way he would set things up, he was very methodical. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, so certain guys like that. Now, um, I mean, I don't know too many of the new fighters now. There's just so many guys. I, I can't keep up with it. But there's a there's a few fighters that I look at. And, and if they're fighting, I, I try to make a point of watching. And uh, I just like guys that, that know what they're going to do and have an approach and, and get it done. Like Damian Maia, you know he's going to take you down and take your back and submit you. And no one can stop him from doing that. And so, I mean... I think that's pretty remarkable to do that against the best fighters in the world. All right. A couple more questions. I know you got to get to eating and, and prepare for another workout today. So just a couple more to go here, and, and uh, we'll let you get on your way here. What's your larger plan? You can't do this forever, can you? And and if you can't, and I don't think anyone can, you know, what's, what's next, or is it too soon to be thinking about what's next? Well, I'm always thinking about what's next, and I, I'm building my jiu-jitsu program. Um, 
you know, I'm going to open up a gym one day, open up a school. I want to teach kids. I want to, I want to get a, a, a jujitsu team together. I have, I have some big plans with that, but I mean, I, it, I have a few years left to, to be competitive and I still have this fire burning inside of me to, to compete and, and do my best. So I, uh, right now that just training and fighting and being a, an athlete is, is my short term. Long term, I'm going to, I'm going to build a team. I'm going to build, uh, a school and uh you know just do that but right now um I, i'm just focused on fighting i got it okay so i'd like to ask people like you this i like to ask everybody this actually um do you have a what i learned from that story to tell us um for example something unique or special that went down in your life that really taught you a big lesson that is worth sharing with the audience something that that, you know, a, a big takeaway from from Dennis Dombro. Man, there's I did I did uh, almost die in a, a BMX accident one time, and um, that kind of that was before I ever fought, and that kind of put life in the perspective for me of like, shit, you could die at any minute. It's like go out and, and make life your own. Do do your passion and desire, and don't don't let anyone else tell you how to live your life because as soon as it's over it's over you gotta you gotta do do your thing while you're here and and and, and that's that that kind of impacted me a lot for a long time that's perfect that. that's that's a great that's a great story so a really good story so let's let's close out here let's just circle right back around to the beginning and one more time who are you fighting what are you fighting and how can we see it this this fight is yes, on November, uh, no yes go ahead November 5th, I am fighting Corey Galloway for the HFC Bantamweight title. If you are anywhere in the Chicagoland area, I suggest coming out to the Horseshoe Casino in Hammond. It is gonna, it's an awesome venue. It's gonna be an awesome fight. You can get tickets at HoosierFightClub.com. And if you are not in the area and you still want to view the fight, you can go to GFL.tv and view the fight there will be a live stream of that and this fight promotion is only going to get bigger they actually just uh teamed up with a couple of the promotions and they are the first publicly traded mma organization in the world and uh i think that's pretty cool and it's pretty awesome to be the champion of uh an organization in, in such a historic time Hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and all the training you're doing and everything you're trying to get done to take the time today to talk to me, to talk to us, and bring us into your life a little bit. Really appreciate it, Dennis. Well, um, Craig, thank you. I, I, I think it's awesome. I'm glad uh, that I got to do this, and, and, and thank you for, for having me on here and thinking of me to, to talk to. Oh, the pleasure is entirely mine. Everybody needs to know about you. You're a tough guy. You're also a really, really good guy with with a giant heart, it's almost impossible to imagine you when you know you outside of the ring. To think of just what a fierce lion you are inside of the ring because you're just such a sweet, nice, gentle guy. Uh, you've got a lot to say when you're talking. To, and you do all your talking in the ring, and you've done a great job telling us what goes on today. But in the ring, you're ferocious. And outside of the ring, you, you wouldn't have any idea of what a badass you are, what a tough guy you are. So you, I'm just saying you're, you're a really good guy, very special guy. You're a wonderful, phenomenal fighter. You're a great guy out of the ring, a lot of fun, big heart, good man. And I wish you the very, very best of success in this next fight. I know you're going to win too. And uh, we're all pulling for you. And again, thanks for taking the time to hang with me today. <laughs>